Today I'm going to do a little something a little different. I'm going to use the board to do more teaching and preaching today from. I'm going to use the PowerPoint my clicker because we're going through the program that we use for the songs is not working, and so with with that, but the other it was. So I'm just going to go ahead and use. No, no, it's it's she'll she'll take care of it. Um, go ahead, not yet. So what I'm going to do today is divert from the Sermon on the Mount and preach and teach today on the birth of Christ. I'm going to primarily take the passage from the book of Matthew. There are two accounts of the birth of Christ in the Synoptic Gospels. Can anyone tell me what the Synoptic Gospels are? Yes, Liz. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. That is correct. Even though there are four Gospels, there are three synoptic Gospels. Sin with optic to see is to see from the same point of view when we look at what's called the synoptic Gospels. If you're not coming out of Windsor, you're missing a lot. We're going into history and a lot of information. And so I want to encourage you in 2016, if you're able to, on either Tuesday, if you're up in the North Bay, to come out, or on Wednesday here. You don't want to be left behind. I'm not talking about the series, Left Behind. When we think about Christ, Christ is moving. Doesn't remain the same. He doesn't. When I say remain the same, he does remain the same, but he's always doing something in the lives of his people. When we think about the birth of Christ and what he did and what it represents and what it means, the time that he was born, all that was happening, you would think that he was born at the wrong time. It was not the safest time to be born, but that's the time that God ordained from the beginning of time. So today we're going to look at the passage from Matthew chapter 1, beginning at verse 18. I may actually say something about Luke chapter 2, but we're going to primarily take our text from Matthew. Stand with me as you, if you would so we can pray, as we pray rather for the Word of God. It is good to see everybody here on this rain today. Last Sunday we got rain. Today we're getting rain. Uh, tomorrow, Tuesday, possibly Thursday as well. It is good. Saloma, it is good to see you. It is good to see you. We have a couple of people who have spoken to me that they do a lot of traveling, and we just love it when you are here. We know that some will be taken off for some time, but thank God you're here. Mr. Andrew Johnson, it is good to see you. You're making it a point to be here. Brother Lee Riggins, I just want to just personally say thank you for bringing the people from Vallejo when they were living there. Whenever we needed a ride, he said, just tell me where they live, and I'll bring them over. Mother Catherine, Omega, uh, just want to thank you for that. I want to give you your dues for that specifically, bringing people from Vallejo, because we were thinking, how are we going to get people to the, to the church? And Brother Lee, so I'll be willing to bring them over. And so, again, thank you for that ministry and that work. For everybody who does 
work in the church, thank you. I think the person who comes the farthest is Latoris, up and down the road. I think we run in a, we're running pretty, probably pretty close to putting uh, about the same amount of miles in our cars. I, I think, I think, <laughs> I, I think so. We're going to we'll have to check that out. <laughs> Let's pray. Lord, we thank you today for the wonderful privilege of being able to come into your presence. We love you today and we thank you for your kindness and your grace and your glory and mercy. We appreciate you for who you are. We thank you for coming to earth, being born, and being ready to die for our sins. There's no way that we could enjoy the privilege of heaven if you did not come to earth, die, raise, rise from the dead. <laughs> we couldn't have life. So today we are grateful to you for all that you have done and are doing. Now take us to places we've never known before. Take us deep in you. May our walk not be the same in 2016. May whatever we have to face, whatever it is, we pray that it will be tempered by you, that we'll be able to endure it and go through. We give you the glory for bringing us through 2015. And we pray that you will take us into 2016 with rejoicing on our lips and praise in our hearts. We thank you right now and give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. You put up the first slide, please. Matthew chapter 1. The book of Matthew gives the account of the birth of Jesus from the viewpoint and vantage point of Joseph. Luke addresses it from the vantage point of Mary. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Now, I need you to note and understand something. Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. The betrothal period was a betrothal or a time that extended for about a year. If there had been any infidelity, any time of union with anybody else, it was considered adultery because she was betrothed to Joseph. The wife stayed at her father's house until the year ended and the husband went to go get her or the groom, she met the groom. There was, it was a big celebration. Now in the Old Testament, the Lord spoke about adultery, life, what was to happen. Now we're going to take some passages in the Old Testament so that you could see what the consequences were, the ramifications were for Breaking the betrothal. One was considered, in other words, when you were betrothed, you had to give a letter of divorce. You weren't just saying, we're just going together, I just break it off. No, no, it wasn't like that. Breaking it off. You also know those, uh, those homicide 271 channel, ID channel? 
Was it wise with knives or something like that? (laughs) Y'all got to turn to that. Let me go on. (laughs) Next one, Bridget. Nisha. If there is a betrothed, now this is taken from Deuteronomy, if there is a betrothed virgin and a man meets her in the city and lies with her, then you shall bring them both out to the gate of that city, and you shall stone them to death with stones. The young woman, because she did not cry out for help, though she was in the city, and the man, because he violated his neighbor's wife, so you shall purge the evil from your midst. Today in the New Testament, we thank God for grace. Thank God for kindness and mercy and love and his goodness and his power. Now, in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy is the second law. It is the law that God, that Moses gave to the second, the generation that's going to be entering the promised land. In Exodus, when God gave the law to Moses, that first generation, he was up on the mountain and Moses was actually upon that mountain, not 40 days only, but 80 days. You remember that on the first time that he went to get the law, God gave the Ten Commandments. The children of Israel started sinning by building the golden calf and worshiping and honoring that calf. Moses comes down from that mount, breaks the stone tablets, right? Out of anger because of the sin of pagan worship. After this occurrence, God tells Moses to to hew out or to cut out two more stone tablets, two stone tablets, and come back up the mountain. Now, 40 days had passed, so Moses goes back up the mountain for an additional 40 days and nights. So he's up there 80 days, and the Lord gives him the law. Now, when the children of Israel, that first generation, was not able to go into the promised land because of sin, Their children that was 20 years and older are going to go into the land. They're the ones that's going to benefit. And so, this law in Deuteronomy is given to that generation that's going to inherit the land. Now, the betrothed. When we look in Matthew at this betrothal, this is what the Lord is speaking about or what this law is addressing back in the Old Testament. Under the law, you sinned, you paid the consequences. Thank God for grace in the New Testament. If there is a betrothed virgin, in other words, the key is that she's betrothed, she is engaged to another, and she is a virgin, and a man meets her in the city. The idea in the city that they are around people and lies with her, then you shall bring them both out. In other words, she didn't do anything to scream or to try to protect herself, so therefore, the Bible says that she is guilty. Adultery in the Old Testament it was punishable by death. Why, is I, why am I saying this, sticking to this? Because we'll see as we get to the New Testament, as we deal with the, the birth of Christ. And you shall stone them to death. That was a cruel death. Can you imagine, tell you, people throwing rocks at you, lined up against this building. Everybody get a rock. Boulders. Man, that's, that's painful. I, don't, I wouldn't want to die that way. I want, you know, the way I want to die, I said, Lord, just take me in my sleep. That's, what, that's the way I want to go. I don't like pain. <laughs> y'all don't be looking at me funny. Y'all want to go in your sleep too. No, Lord, let, let me go off a bridge or something. Let me just, no, no. 
The young woman because she did not cry out. And the man because he violated his neighbor's wife. So you shall purge this evil. Because he violated his neighbor's wife. Calls her the wife. Next slide. But if in the open country a man meets a young woman who is betrothed and the man seizes her and lies with her, then only the man who lies with her, he shall die. Because the assumption is that she, could, she cried out, but there was nobody around to hear. So therefore, the man is to be put to death. Now, I told you all not long ago that in the state of California, that adultery, living, that having relations outside of marriage, or before marriage, that, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's against the law. California has a law on the books. I told you all that, right? Y'all remember that. It's not enforced. <laughs> it's encouraged in many cases, actually. Yeah, it's a law in the state of California. How do I know that? Because it was on my exam when I took my license for my MST, my marriage and family. family. And I didn't miss it. <laughs> she said, you missed it? Nope. I, my mom, cause when we heard about it, learned about it, it was like, what? <laughs> so if they're in the country, the idea is that. She didn't scream. The man is to be stoned. Next slide. But you shall do nothing to the young woman. She has committed no offense punishable by death. For this case is like that of a man attacking and murdering his neighbor. Next slide. Because he met her in the open country, and though the betrothed woman, young woman cried for help, there was no one to rescue her. When we think about God and his laws, and he puts them on the books. Do you not know that at one time that people used to do what they thought was best to them? They just lived how they decided and wanted to. Do you not know that laws actually are good? It helps to restrain evil. It helps us to be able to obey and do that which provides protection. God's law, laws are not given to keep you from having fun. I don't go to church. Oh, all of them, them Christian people. Oh, no, it's just too holy for me. I just, I just like to do my own thing. Something happened. Y'all, church, pray for me. Y'all, y'all over there, pray for me. <laughs> I just thought you didn't like us. I like y'all now because I need help. Mm. Next slide. And her husband, Joseph, being a just, a just man, and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce, divorce her quietly. Now Joseph, hearing from the, knowing that she's pregnant, thinking, I've got a dilemma on my hands. He knows the Old Testament. He knows what the law says. But being a just man, that's a big word. Because of Joseph's honesty and integrity and love, and not wanting to provide humiliation, he's thinking, what can I do to protect Mary. And if anybody had come telling you that you got pregnant by the Holy Spirit or got pregnant in your sleep through a dream, you and me going to take a ride to Napa. We're going to take the long route so you can explain Joseph has a dilemma. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolves to divorce her quietly. Get this. Two stages here. There's the betrothal period, 
where she's at her father's, Joseph is not living with her. Joseph has had no relations with her at this point. He's thinking this has happened when she was at her dad's house. Now, what can I do to protect? Because now I've got a divorce. In the Old Testament, because of the hardness of people's heart, God gave divorce. He said, you can write a letter of divorce. But people were divorcing for any type of reason. Just, just, just all types. It didn't make any difference. Don't like how they looked the next day. Didn't like how they cooked your food. Didn't like, didn't like just whatever, because you could make up anything. And the man was the one offering to divorce. But when we think about Joseph, the Bible says he's a just man and he's unwilling to put her to shame because this would be a shameful situation. Next slide. But as he considered these things, while he is pondering and thinking, what should I do? An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. God, because of his, his, his integrity and power, God does things to help us when we are wanting to do the right thing and we're not quite sure what to do. God will intervene and give us help and answers. He comes to Joseph in a dream saying, Son of David, do not fear, listen, to take Mary as your wife. What is he saying? Don't fear to take her now publicly to make it official because what's conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. What you're pondering, what you're thinking about, how you're going about this, don't be afraid now to make it public and bring her into your home to make her your wife. Man, what if engagements were like today, like they were in the Old Testament? What if, what if, um, I mean, dating would be a, you'd be one person, that's basically about it. I'm, I'm just going to just check out the field. Got three or four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten people on the side. And hope that ne'er will ever meet. Now, now some of y'all, I, I, y'all ain't got to go there. I know some of y'all have somebody coming to the back door, going out the front door. <laughs> Another person, hope, oh, oh, Lord, this way. <laughs> Happened in the Old Testament, too. We ain't all been saved. And when we think about this, the Lord just keeps it real. This is what it is. The idea that Mary's pregnant and Joseph is pondering it, God comes himself, dispatches his angel, says, Joseph, go on and marry Mary. Because that which is inside of her is from God himself. Now, this took an act, this took a lot of faith to believe this, but you've got to remember that they knew the Messiah was coming, so what he's being told, there's two things he can do. He can, he can say, okay, I'll do it, or no, I'm not doing it. But Joseph being a just man, God knowing who, what type of character he had, chose him, and he chose Mary. Next slide. She will bear a son, is what he says, and you shall call his name Jesus, Yeshua, for he will what? Save 
his people from their sins. Do you not know the reason Christ came to earth was not to bring you Christmas gifts? His coming was not to bring you presents and to get upset because you didn't get that BB gun. The purpose and the reason why he came was so that you would be saved. I am so tired of people today trying to come up with all types of reasons why they think Jesus came. He came to save us from ourselves because we were heading for hell. He came to save us from our sins because we were doomed. Our iniquities were before him and God can have no sin in his presence. It says, she will bear a son. Joseph, I'm telling you what's going to happen in the future. What's conceived in her, she's going to bear a son. And I'm going to tell you this. You are to give him the name Jesus. For he, note the he, it's him and nobody else that can save from sin. Note what the Bible, note what the angel tells him. He says, he, he, who, that which is conceived in Mary, Jesus is going to be the only one that can save people from their sins. Nobody else can do it. Your good works can't save you. They had a deep discussion in Sunday school today. Wonderful. But it is only Christ that saves. Christ is the only way where you can come through in order to get to God. It is Christ. Now, when we think about the grace of the Lord, when we were growing up, we used to hear, well, how old does a person have to be before they're held accountable? Don't know. But we know babies go to be in the presence of the Lord. People that may have some mental difficulties, God is gracious. He judges fairly. We just don't know everybody that's going to be saved. Or when they leave here. That's God. He does it. But you and me, we've got an appointment. And the question that's going to be asked is, what did you do with Jesus? That's what the world's got to answer. Not, I thought, I, I, I hope, I believe that this would be, I thought that every religion was okay. No. It's Jesus. That's the question. The God said, now what religion were you? You were Methodist? Mm. You Pentecostal? You Church of God? No. He's looking to say, what did, you do with, what did you do with Jesus? Does his blood cover you? God is looking for the blood. No blood. No entry. Jesus Christ, the Savior. He will save his people from their sins. The purpose for Christ's coming was for the purpose of salvation. Next slide. All this took place to fulfill what, was, what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. The prophet, the prophet. Next slide. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive. And bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel, Isaiah 7, 14. This 
scripture in Matthew is pointing back to Isaiah 700 years earlier. It was prophesied. Do you not know that prophecy, when God gave a word to the prophets, it could not be 99 and a half. Here's a song that says 99 and a half won't do. You know 99 and a half, it just won't do. It won't do. It had to be 100%. Don't come telling me that, oh, I got 90 right, that should be okay, Lord. No, 100%. The prophet had to be correct 100% of the time. Isaiah, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. Oh, we just saw that back in Matthew. The virgin, 700 years How does God know all this stuff? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about how God knows everything? And she'll call his name Emmanuel. Not my brother-in-law, Emmanuel. His name, Emmanuel, which is interpreted, which is, let's go to the next slide, God with us. It is God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. God with us. Jesus with From the very beginning, Jesus was designated as God. Jesus was designated from the very beginning as God. God with us. Only God can save you from your sins. Jesus is not no lesser God, no little God. He's God. People trying to make God big God, little God. No. One God. One Savior. One Lord. One baptism. One God. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Next slide. When Joseph woke from sleep, or awoke, or awakened in some Bibles it says, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. Look at this. Now he was already pondering. You see, it's good when we get clarity to the very thing that we're pondering. You're sometimes having to make a choice. Do I go this way or do I go that way? Lord, what do I do? You see, the problem should never be, Lord, here's a good choice to make, and this one is sin. What should I do? That's not what Joseph was doing. And that's not what we should do. Two good choices. Lord, did I take this way or this way? I'm not quite sure. I need clarity. You're trying to make a choice from two right decisions. Not like, hmm, let me think about this. Let me say this as just passing through. You cannot rely on your emotions to get you through. You can't rely on your feelings to get you through. They can play a part. But don't rely on your feelings or emotions to get you through. If you are not relying on the Word of God, when trouble and difficulties come, you're going to falter and you're going to fall. If you're not, if you're not steadfast in God's Word, if you're not anchored, when the wind blows, you're going to be blown over. And wonder what happens. You see, the enemy devises strategies just for you. That's why you shouldn't want to be just like somebody else. 
because you got a plan for them. And if you can't handle your plan, why in the world would you want to try to handle somebody else's plan? If God's got a plan for you to get you through whatever he allows the enemy to bring you away, why in the world are you wanting to handle everybody else's? Stop looking over the fence. Longing to be in somebody else's pasture. Stay in your own pasture. And stay focused on what God is taking you through. Because remember, in your own trial and situation, not only is there an entrance, but there is an exit. But when you don't go through how God says, you won't find the exit. When he woke up, he did what the angel said. That was the ticket. God didn't say it was going to be easy. Oh, I'm obeying the Lord. Not everything's going to be just 100% nice and easy. No, it's not. Next slide. But he didn't know her until she had given birth to a son, and they called his name Jesus. In other words, even when he brought her home, during the time of their betrothal and marriage, they had no sexual relationship until after Christ was born. You see, the rumor had been that Mary had been with a soldier because where they were stationed, where they were, it was a fort for a garrison for the Roman army. And the idea and the, and the thought going back in that time was that married and hooked up with a soldier. Married and been with a soldier. Now, I want you to get this. When the angel told Joseph, take her home, don't be afraid, it wasn't from the standpoint or the vantage point that he was shaking but don't be afraid of the opinions that's going to come from people. Don't be afraid what people are going to say because you're going to get it. People are going to come with all types of stuff. Don't be afraid of the stinking opinion of people that ain't right. Now, listen to people. If they give you some good advice, hey, you know, I, I, yes, yes. But when somebody gives you their advice and they ain't prayed, I, I do it this way. I don't know what you say. I just do it this way. They, they did this to me. I would have slapped them three or four times. That's just the way I would have handled it. Now, you can do it the way you want, but I'm letting you know how I would handle it. They wouldn't do that again. You don't let people just walk all over you. But knew her not until she had given birth. Joseph wanted to honor the Lord and so no relation. Now there's now some commentators and some, some commentators try to try to say, well that means that she was perpetual uh, a virgin No, she was, they had she had Jesus had brothers and sisters. That's not what it said. It just means till after she had given birth to Jesus. Next slide. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king. Now, Herod the king was a cruel man. You see, Caesar Augustus was the emperor of Rome at this time. He was the great nephew of Julius Caesar, the army commander. Julius Caesar was a man that had established himself and had gained popularity because of not only his military might, but he was very savvy politically. But Julius Caesar was not an emperor. The first emperor 
from Rome, for Rome, was the person, his great nephew was Caesar Augustus. Now, Herod, it is believed he was from um, Edomia, which is another name for Edom. The rumor was that he was Jewish, but the issue was that it's believed, let me just say this, there's a lot of controversy around Herod's birth. It was Caesar Augustus that placed Herod as king in Jerusalem. Now, Herod basically went crazy. He killed, he, he married ten, he had ten wives. His favorite wife was Marianne. Oh, he loved her. But he had her killed. Had a son named Alexander and Aristobulus. Had them killed. Because he was concerned about them getting the throne. Rumors and all types of things. It was Herod's sister that was whispering in his ear. And the fact that even Herod killed Mary Ann's parents. This is the time that Jesus was born. When Herod was the king. When he was placed king, when he was placed in power, Caesar Augustus removed Jerusalem or the air of Judea that he was ruling from the Roman provinces. Man, you're doing such a good job. You can rule it without any of our interference. So while Herod was a king, he could do what he wanted because he was able to curry favor with the Jewish people. He was able to be peaceful. But the reason he's called Herod the Great because of his magnificent building qualities. Great soldier, but became a madman. This is the time that Jesus is born. When Herod is on the throne, God does not make a mistake regarding when a person is born. You are not born out of time. You are born in time. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, now, after Christ was born, a couple of years had passed, and there were some wise men that came inquiring about Jesus. They went to Herod and said, we've seen a star. Herod, oh, you have? Go search for him and let me know where he is so I can come and worship him too. While all the, time, all the time plotting to kill him. And so what did Herod do? When the wise men were told, don't go back to him, he killed every child two years and under. Killed them trying to destroy Jesus. Herod's three sons became what's called tetrarchs means the ruler of the fourth. We know that Achilles, Antipas, and Philip, they are mentioned in the Bible. They weren't kings because there was a dispute in about 12 B.C. when Herod was fighting with his sons. And it required the emperor Augustus to intervene. That was a time when his sons, Alexander and Aristobulus were alive. They were put to death through court, but because of Herod. So it required the emperor to intervene. And then that was settled. Then, a little bit later, there was another dispute with his sons. But when Herod died, the emperor took Rome, or took Jerusalem, put it back under Roman rule, and put his sons at his request in place, but he did not give them kingship. He didn't make them kings. He made them rulers 
of certain areas. When we think about what God does, God strategically does things throughout time. So I want you to get this. God has all the details. He plans things out exquisitely. And then he plops you right down in the middle of trouble and say, stay the course because I've got a plan to get you through. Jesus was not born out of time. He was born right on time. And sometimes I know that and think that sometimes we think that we are born out of time. I wish I wasn't here. I, I wish all this wasn't happening to me and we make some rash decisions. But if we were to ponder and think like Joseph, Lord, I don't understand everything that's happening right now. But I know you've got a plan. I know I'm in this situation, and, and I know you know how to get me out. And when you read the story of Jesus' birth, I want you to go back and take another look. You see all the intricacies, all the details that God took him to the Egypt and back around, all the things to protect his son because Jesus came to die for your sins and mine. Satan was out to destroy him from the very beginning. But God had a plan. And Jesus was able to accomplish that plan. The devil couldn't keep him from being born. Couldn't stop Jesus from being born. Somehow thought that he had victory when Jesus was, had died. No. That was for you and me. When God goes through all of this for us, how can we not honor and worship him? How can people not say, look at what God's done for me? How, how can people think that I can, I, I can deal without, do without Jesus? It's sad when we think about the love that God has shown us and we somehow ponder if God really loves us. We base our situations and circumstances on God's love, whether he truly loves us. The fact of the matter, before you were born, he chose you, planned you here. Before you could even say, God, forgive me, he planned you here even in the midst of your sins. He accepted you, sent Christ while you were still sinners. You and me weren't even looking for him. And he died. Now that's love. When Jesus would not be deterred from his course, when all the religious leaders were trying to come at him and say, you aren't God and you're this, you're Beelzebub, and you're of the devil. And the world is, what's often said, is on its way to hell. But the God, God has put the church here to stop that, help us to share the good news. If we don't tell the world, how are they going to know and learn and hear? If they don't hear that God has a plan for their life, and that plan is Jesus Christ, he has a plan to deal with the sin, he's already made a way, and we don't let them know, how can they be saved? When we say, I've got other things to do, no time for God, or this amount of time, and God has blessed us sufficiently and abundantly. Lord, wherever I go, help me to be faithful to sharing. I, 
I'm going to say this in closing. As you think about the birth of Christ in this holiday season, you don't always say, God, give me somebody to pray for. You. Lord, as I go through my day today, would you place someone in my life that I can just share a word about you with? You, you see, it's not your job to convert. That's what Jesus came to do. It's all about him. That's, he's the one that brings changes. See, all you got to do is be faithful to what he's given you and what he's called you to do. You don't have to say, they're not responding. I ain't saying nothing else to them no more. No. Just say, God, create another opportunity. Tenderize your heart. And help me to be a vessel. If you pray to God, I want to be a vessel to you. I want to be one that allows Christ to work through. Now get this in the conclusion. Well, God has a plan for your life. Satan is strategizing how to undo it. He's trying to undo what God has for you. Your attitude plays a part in how you get through. Joseph says, okay, I'll do it. And followed the instructions of the Lord and protected that child. Adopted Christ as his son. Mary was his chosen mother. And Joseph was his earthly father. But he wasn't his father. You don't see in the Bible where Jesus ever says father to Joseph. God Almighty, when he was on this earth, was his father. Bow your heads. Jesus Christ is for everybody. He's not just for some. He's not one you can take or leave. He's for everyone. And if you've been pondering what you're going to do and what you should do, the Bible says, the day you hear my voice, don't harden your heart. The only way to be with God forever is to accept Christ as your Lord, as your Savior. So I'm asking you today, if you bow your head, for those who don't know the Lord, what's keeping you from accepting him? Pride? And for those who think they are saved, but never have said, Jesus, would you forgive me of my sin? And have based it on your works or what you think won't get you in. You too need to say, Lord, would you forgive me of my sins? For those who just come to church, and think that the church building is what it is. No, it's Jesus that you need in order to be saved. God gives us chances and gives us the privilege and the ability to change. What are you doing with the time that he gives you right now? So today we pray, God, as we conclude this service and celebrate your wonderful birth. We love you, we thank you, we honor you, and we magnify you for coming to this earth for us. You didn't sin. You didn't need salvation. We did and do. We thank you that you are a forgiving God that when we blow it, the Bible says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. First John 1, 9. You forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We thank you, Lord, and we honor you, and we bless you, and praise you. Tenderize the heart, God. Those who don't know you say yes to you. I accept you as my Savior.
We honor you and bless you. Before we go, I want two people to come up. I'm going to call you, and I just thought about this. I'd like to have Liz and Samantha to come up. I want to pray with you because I know that you travel a lot and, and keep you safe on your journeys. I think it's vital. Would you come up, Liz? Samantha, please. Whenever you're on the road a lot, uh, you deal with all types of people and, and things and situations. And so we want God's protection over them as they travel. Sister uh, Florence, would you come up? Sister Michelle, actually, I do. Actually, Brother Torres, would you look behind uh, the back seat? And there's a small blue bag under there, underneath there. Would you pass that to me? I want to anoint the two of you. I'm going to ask the audience, if you just where you are, where you stand, this will be our conclusion. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we want to thank you, first of all, for who you are. And we pray for Liz, we pray for Samantha, that with all the things that happens in this world today, we pray that you will keep them un- under your protection, their families, as they travel, as they go about their business, that you will bring them to and from safely. We pray that right now you will be a covering over them. We pray that you will strengthen them. You pre-pray that, God, you will help them to be a witness when they come into various situations in various cultures that you, Lord, will shine through in their lives brightly. We honor you today and we thank you today for your greatness and your wonderful kindness. Bless them. Bless, Lord, their family. Bless, Lord, Samantha's child and her husband. Bless, Lord, Charlie in Jesus' name. Bless the in-laws. We pray for the relatives in Belize, North Carolina, and we're all throughout this land. We thank you right now that we can bring this request to you. We honor you, Lord. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You all have a great Christmas. And save some ham and turkey for me, please.